Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Judges, Samson is listed in Hebrews as a man of faith. He believed God would give him supernatural strength, and God did. But instead of submitting to God's will for his life, Samson keeps making it all about himself. We'll pick it up in Judges chapter 15, verse 8. Once again, that's Judges chapter 15, verse 8. Judges 15. Judges 15. When we last left Samson, he had killed 30 Philistines to pay off his gambling debt, and then he had abandoned his new wife because of her betrayal. Despite a wonderful upbringing and knowing God's plan for his life, Samson has acted as if he's an ordinary guy with no special plan for his life. But here's the truth. When it concerns God's master plan, he will get his way whether we go along or not. And while Samson continues to make his life only about himself, God is going to use him to bring his conflict with the Philistines to the forefront. And so in verse 8, it says, "...he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter." And then he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock, Etam. Now, hip and thigh is a Hebrew idiom for one after another. Samson, one after another, just kills them all. Now, Samson isn't a trained soldier, but he does have supernatural help. And so he goes in there expecting God's going to give him the ability to do this, and he has his way with them. But when he's done, this is not a conflict that he's trying to start with the Philistines to deliver Israel. No. From there, when he's all done, it says he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock, Etam. The top of a rock means a cleft in a cliff. When Samson's done, he goes and lives in a cave because now he has nowhere to go. To return to his Israeli family would implicate them. His Philistine family is all dead. So he ends up living in a cave, all alone. Now, while Samson has nothing to show for his actions, God is still using Samson to forward his plan. Look at verse 9. Then the Philistines went up, and they pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. This time, it is armed soldiers. This time, they come and they pitch their tents, their war tents, in Judah, Israeli land, and they are going, they're bringing an army up to fight if they don't get their way. Now, Lehi is an interesting place. It's near Beth Shemesh, which is one of the cities that overlooks the Valley of the Philistines. 
but it's a little bit farther south than where Samson lived. It's not in Dan. It is in Judah. Now, perhaps the Philistines thought that Samson's tribe would protect their own. So they're thinking to themselves, we're not here to fight. We just want Samson. And so verse 10, and the men of Judah said, why are you come up against us? We're serving you. We're honoring the agreement when you conquered us. Why are you here with an army? And they answered, they're not here to fight. We are here to bind Samson. To bind Samson are we come up to do to him as he has done to us. They're here to arrest Samson so they can kill him for what he's done. Things have escalated, haven't they? Samson may may have wanted to just keep this personal. But he doesn't get to live to himself when it concerns God's plan. None of us do. No one lives to themselves. I don't, you don't, no one does. Now, what's sad is that people create the illusion that they do live unto themselves. Oftentimes, when I talk to people about the Lord, they will say that. They say, well, I don't really worship any God. I don't really serve a God. I don't need to do that. I live for me, you know? I live my my own way. And Samson, in a sense, is trying to do that. But no one gets to do that. You don't control enough to even think you can claim to do that. None of us do. So we're deceiving ourselves when we claim, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I live unto myself. You know, and the New Testament says, whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. That's it. God is going to get his way. So it's much better to bend the knee and to bow down. Now, rather than risk war, which is what God wants, Judah agrees to bring Samson in. There's no leader, no one to say, hey, I'm the one God's raising up. There's a reason for this. God's stirring up the Philistines so we can fight them and we can win. That's what every other judge did. But there's no leader right now. Samson's not doing his job. So Judah remains in that defeated mindset and they agreed to bring Samson in. Verse 11, then 3,000 men of Judah went up to the top of the rock, Etam, and they said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that you have done unto us? Now, I don't know about you, but 3,000 men seems a little bit overkill to me. Uh, That's a lot to arrest one man. Perhaps news has been spreading that Samson wasn't someone to be messed with. So they come up to him and, and they ask him a question. Um, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that you have done to us? Uh, Let me translate this for you. Do you not know what the Philistines have done to us? Are you stupid? That's literally what the Hebrews asking. Are are you stupid? Like, Like, we got an arrangement with them. Life is not great, but it's better than it could be. Are you stupid? Are you so dumb and only thinking about yourself that you're gonna pull this nonsense? As a result, now we're gonna end up going to war. Now, this would be the perfect opportunity for Samson to announce the purpose of his existence to Israel, to finally get in line with God's plan, for him to stand up and say, what do you mean there are rulers? Didn't you cry out to God for help? Didn't you destroy your idols? God has sent me to change all this. It's time to fight the Philistines. It's time to trust God for our deliverance. Samson had so many other judges who'd gone before him and said those very words. But how does Samson respond here? Look at what he says. And he said unto them, as they did unto me, so have I done unto them. Tit for tat. 
I was just get, taking care of my own personal business. It doesn't involve the nation. All I did was pay them back for what they did to me and now leave me alone. It's still all about him. Still selfish and proud. Still not willing to be the leader God called him to be. Well, they're not just going to leave him alone. They have a big problem now and he's at the center of it. Verse 12. And they said unto him, we have come down here to bind you that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. Samson, whatever you claim doesn't matter. We don't want to lose another war. So we're arresting you and taking you to the Philistines. Now, I don't know if that shocked Samson. I don't know if he's expecting that. His response is interesting though. And Samson said unto them, swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves, that you won't attack me yourselves. Whatever happens, I'll let you tie me up, but you swear unto me, promise that you won't attack me. And they spoke unto him saying, no, but we will bind you fast and securely and we will deliver you into their hand. There's no, we're not, you're not going to convince us otherwise, but surely we will not kill you. We agree to that. And so Samson goes along with it. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Now, the Bible gives us no clue into what Samson is thinking here. However, it is clear that he believes he can still take any amount of Philistines that come against him. He still believes that because he, he says, you can tie me up, you can turn me in. Just promise me you won't fight against me. So he still believes he can take any amount of Philistines that come his way. And he also believes that no amount of rope can keep him from doing so. So the question is this, did Samson believe God would come through for him anytime he faced the Philistines? It's possible. I mean, he never shows any fear in going out and what he's doing. He knows the calling on his life. It is very possible that Samson really believed that he was indestructible as it regards anything he would do to the Philistines. Hebrews chapter 11 says something very interesting because when we look at Samson's life, there's so little to praise. But Hebrews 11 lists Samson in the hall of faith. And it says this, after it listed individuals like, you know, Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Noah, you know, Moses, Jacob, Isaac, We get down here in verse 32 and he he says, and what more shall I say? In, In addition to all these people of faith, people who trusted God. For the time would fail me to talk about Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of the foreigners. Surely, some of those actions Samson did. And the Bible says he did do them by faith. Now, it is possible that the only act of faith Samson ever did was the final act where he asked God to give him strength after he's blinded and he's tied to the pillars at the end. We'll get to that eventually. It's possible. That's the only act of faith Samson ever did. But I don't personally believe that's true. I think Samson knew all along what God's plan was. He just simply didn't want to go along with God's way of doing it. But even though that's true, I do believe there were moments where he trusted the Lord. I believe there are moments like this one where he goes, oh, you're not just going to leave me alone. And he had a choice. 
to fight them, to run, or to trust the Lord. And I do think this is one of those times where Samson trusted the Lord. Even if it was weak faith, Samson is a believer. He is a believer. And again, there's very little good that we can say about Samson. But Samson was a believer, even if his faith was weak. You know, I think we will be very surprised at who's in heaven when we get there. Some people will surprise us and go, I didn't think you'd be here. But I also think it's very likely that we will see a lot of wood, hay, and stubble going up in flames at the reward seat of Christ. Likely, Samson is one that's going to have a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. Now, from here, verse 14 says, And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, Oh, we got him now. They found him. And he's bound up. We've got him. But notice what the word says. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. And the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire. And his bands just fell off from off his hands. They loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of a donkey and put forth his hand and took it. And with it, he slew a thousand men. Wow. There is so much miraculous of the miraculous going on here in these two verses. It is incredible. In that instant, when the Philistines shouted against him and said, we've got him, we're going to kill him this time. It's just the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. We've already seen this word when the lion attacked him. It says the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. In that moment, Samson received supernatural strength, which means that the entire trip from the cave of Atan to Lehi, he didn't have that strength. That means every step that Samson is taking, he's testing the ropes, I'm not getting out of these things. He's testing the, I'm not getting out of these things. And when the Philistines are shouting, it is very likely that Samson may have had the thought, this might be it. And yet the Lord came through. Samson, with every step he took, it was a step of faith. That's why I believe that this was an act of faith by Samson. Coming down there took trusting God, even if you've already seen it happen many other times where the Spirit of the Lord came upon you and you had supernatural strength right when you needed it. You know, I've had God do so many things in my life, so many things you'd think I would never doubt him, so many things you'd think I'd always trust him, so many things you'd think I'd never disobey him. But there's something about being in that moment when that thing is in front of you that seems like God's not coming through. Samson trusted the Lord. And God did come through. God gave him supernatural strength. And then God did this miracle. Look at this. It says that the ropes, the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burned, like burned clothing. Have you ever burned clothing? If you've never seen burned clothing, when you pick it up, it just falls into pieces. And that's what it says here. His bands loosed from off his hands. The word loosed means to melt, to dissolve. So God does two miracles here, or at least two in the sense that he gives supernatural strength to Samson, and then he melts the cords. A third miracle is what happens in verse 15. It says, and he found a new jawbone of a donkey, and he put forth his hand, took it, and with that as his only weapon, he killed a thousand men with it. Now, 
that should have gotten Israel's attention. Like the, the ropes melting. Like if you're walking by and you're watching these things just melt away. I mean, that's the moment when you kind of go, I think the Lord's with us. Let's go take the Philistines. You know, Samson, lead us on. But they don't. They leave Samson to fight the Philistines alone. No one jumps to his help. But then Samson defeats them. Now, why is it important that it's a new jawbone? Well, the word there, new, means moist. In other words, it wasn't brittle from decay. A jawbone's not the ideal weapon. But a new one would still have the strength, you know? Uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't break if you were, you know, smacking people around with it. Not that I recommend doing that with any bones. Now, some find it hard to believe that one man could kill a thousand with only a jawbone, but there's nothing normal about this battle. I mean, if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound, okay? You know, here it says that God melted the ropes. So if you can handle that, you can handle a guy killing a thousand people with a jawbone, all right? So if you can handle that part, you can handle the second part, okay? One angel killed in the entire Assyrian army. God spoke and the universe came into existence, So how hard would it be for God to empower one man to kill a thousand with the jawbone of a donkey? Not hard at all. And when the battle is over and Samson emerges victorious, he utters a cry of victory to his fellow Israelis. Look at verse 16. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jaw of an ass, have I slain a thousand men. I can't actually repeat what Samson says in the Hebrew here, because it's pretty rough. Now, when a pack animal died, its carcass was thrown outside the city walls. We know Lehi is actually near a city. So this was likely an animal cemetery. To be buried along animals was a great disgrace for the Philistines and a great triumph for Samson. So basically, Samson, he stands up from the battle and he goes, look what I've done, my people. With a simple jawbone of a donkey, I've buried these Philistines with the rest of the bleepity bleeps in here. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. Very diehardish, not very godly. (laughs) But you know what? This is kind of what Samson was born for, right? I mean, this is it, right? This is the start. If he will move from here in the right direction, they'll follow him. But sadly, he makes it about himself again. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking that he threw the jawbone out of his hand and he called the place Ramath Lehi, which means jawbone hill. After he says that, you know, with a jawbone of a donkey, I have beaten down all these jerks and buried him with the rest of the donkeys here. And he throws the jawbone away, and I'm calling this place Jawbone Hill because I got my revenge. Only important people get to name hills. Samson is asserting his claim as the next deliverer of Israel when he says that. But how can the people know for sure this is the Lord after all he's done? Well, verse 18, even though Samson is not correct in how he's handling things, God's still with him. Samson, after this great speech and his naming of the hill, it says, all of a sudden he crashed. He was sore athirst. And he called on the Lord and said, you have given this great deliverance into the hand of your servant. Now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? 
Samson did this publicly. The word called means to proclaim. He didn't do this in his heart. He throws down the jawbone, names the hill, and then he starts like he's going to pass out. And he cries out to the Lord in front of everybody. And he says, Lord, you, you did this thing for me? And now you're going to let me die because I'm thirsty? I'm going to end up passing out and more Philistines are going to come and they're going to pick me off the ground when I'm passed out and kill me? I've survived a thousand angry Philistine soldiers, but now you're going to let me die? Doesn't seem right, God. It's interesting because he doesn't ask God for anything here. He just complains about the injustice of his circumstances. It's possible the Lord did this to humble him, to let him lose that strength and all of a sudden have an impact upon his body, to remind him that the strength was supernaturally given and that he was a man just like everyone else. It's possible the Lord allowed the weakness, this weakness, to prove to Israel that he indeed called Samson to be their deliverer. I don't know. But either way, God provides for him. Look at verse 19. But God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw. The word their jaw means Lehi, not the actual jaw bone, but in that area. The word their clave means to open a breach or to break through. The word hollow place, it refers to ground that's just above a spring. So God broke open the ground that was just above a spring there at Lehi and water came out. And when he had drunk, his spirit revived. He came again, he revived. Wherefore, he called the name thereof this, of the spring. Now he named his name in springs too. And Hakor, which means caller's spring, which is in Lehi. It's still there to this day. Now that miracle was finally enough to convince Israel that Samson was God's deliverer. But there's a sad epitaph to this story. Look at verse 20. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines for 20 years. Doesn't say that about the other judges. It says the other judges, and they delivered them from this group of people. And they judged Israel. Doesn't say that about Samson. He doesn't deliver Israel from the Philistines. He just leads Israel. What did Samson do with this newfound leadership? Where did he springboard to after this awesome victory? Like so many other judges in the past springboarded after they had their moment? Nowhere. He does absolutely nothing for 20 years. Israel may have looked to him as their leader, but Samson led them nowhere. In fact, the next time we see Samson... He's back down in the land of the Philistines, hanging out with a harlot. Samson wanted all the trappings of being followed, liked the rush of the victory, liked being held in high esteem, but he still doesn't want to go along with God's plan. And thus the word of the angel to Samson's parents comes true. Samson began to deliver Israel from the Philistines, but the job wouldn't be finished until David came around a man after God's own heart. But this starts the conflict. The Philistines will constantly war with Israel after this. There will be no turning back, no peace after this. I want to ask you a question. What has God called you to? We all have a plan. He has a plan for each of us. We all have a purpose. So what has God called you to? And what responsibilities are you running from? You know, it's funny. I have never aspired to leadership. 
And yet, I find myself often in leadership roles. You can only run from God for so long. God will have his way. So why not yield? Why not trust that he loves you? Why not trust that his plan is good? And why not rest in the fact that he can't fail, even if you can? Lord, we thank you so much for the lessons that we learned from Samson and those around him. Or Israel's just as guilty in that they don't want to take on the Philistines yet. They're afraid. Lord, we don't want to be any of those things. We want to be those who follow your word, who follow your calling, who answer the call and obey you. And Lord, for some of us, it's not complicated. You've called us into a marriage, or you've called us to be parents, or you've called us to serve you in some capacity in a work environment or in a church environment or in our neighborhood, Lord. Lord, whatever it is you've called us to do, we want to commit and say, Lord, we will be faithful with that. We will follow you. We'll, we won't run from our responsibilities. Lord, for all of us, remind us that you love us. Your plans are always good, even if it means we lose our lives. Lord, because if we give up our life for you and for the gospel, nothing can compare to what we gain for that. So thank you, Lord, for giving up everything for us. You're worthy of us giving up everything for you. We surrender to you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. By strong